Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong back, Jack. and Joe Getty. Joey, baby! Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this, they're loco. Everyone loves it. But the dramatics have come down just a little bit. And now, he Armstrong and Getty. First, a chunk of the trailer from Matt Walsh's documentary entitled, What is a Woman? What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. And I've watched Sex in the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? You want to tell us what a woman is? I'm here live. I'm not a cat. Hey, no. uh, different, different video, Michael. Uh, and then it goes into much more serious ground um, in, in that he challenges very gently and in gentlemanly fashion uh, some of the uh, gender surgery, the sex change surgery industry people who get extremely hostile very, very quickly at, again, the most even-handed and gentlemanly questions about what they are espousing. It's really quite shocking. 
Uh, Matt Taibbi, of all people, who's a dyed-in-the-wool lefty on most things, but is a free speech guy and is not a radical progressive, uh, watched the movie, and he had some some bones to pick with it because he's uh, he disagrees with Matt Walsh on all sorts of stuff all the time. But he wrote a couple of things I found really, really interesting. Uh, he mentions in one scene, Walsh interviews a Tennessee licensed marital and fer- family therapist named Gert Comfrey. Walsh reads from her website. You say, I use a combination of approaches in my therapeutic work, including anti-oppression, feminist, and narrative frameworks. I rely deeply on systems theory and the understanding that individuals are products of and in dialogue with our surroundings, including our families, broader culture, workplace, nature, and political climates. What uh, what does that mean? Comfrey, who's game and a good sport, tries to translate. Yeah, so thinking about the modalities that I use, I'm definitely informed by, like, feminist family theory. And the ideas that we live in gendered worlds where there are certain imperatives that are placed upon us about who we are and what we do based on how we've been gendered. She goes on like this for two and a half agonizing minutes, during which time they, preferred pronoun they, them, theirs, I checked, say things like, we know now that some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. Walsh prods, etc. He asked that question about sex in the city. Um, and, uh, and, uh, he says, uh, am I a woman? Great question. Comfrey replies with a nod before dismounting to the surprise ending. I'm not a woman, so I can't really answer that. So Ms. Comfrey is herself, uh, uh, transgender or whatever. Uh, but he talks about how, um, the, the other guy said, I know I'm a man because I got a D, you know, I got a penis. Um, that if the activists really want to, reach those people they need to be able to use fairly plain language to understand or to explain rather what they're talking about to reach that person to change that person's mind someone has to come up with a way to reach him in equally plain language but the most well-meaning intellectual in the movie ms confrey who we're just quoting by far the most sympathetic trans advocate walsh interviews has a website composed in an amazonian jungle thicket of anti-language that even i had a hard time penetrating and not only can't answer walsh's simple question but ultimately declines to do so on the grounds that even a person born female or assigned to female at birth if you like is not qualified to answer it oh so she isn't transgender she was she's always been a woman but uh, isn't comfortable saying what one is it's just extraordinary so speaking of the uh pronouns question the libs of tiktok rolls on even though the awful taylor lorenz of the washington post tried to ruin the woman's life who ran it i think others have probably taken it over and uh here is um somebody or other do we have the name well first let's explain what neo pronouns are in 72 what are your preferred pronouns? Uh, they, them. Oh, I've never heard those before. What are they? Uh, they're what's known as neo-pronouns. What are neo-pronouns? They're basically your own custom pronouns. When no other pronouns seem to fit, you come up with your own pronouns. Anything can really be a pronoun. Oh, how do I use them? Um, it depends on the person and their pronouns. They, them follows a similar spelling to they and them. And even similar grammar rules like zer and zer. So they, them, themselves, theirs, things like that. Oh, okay. And there are other new pronouns you said? Well, yeah, because they're customizable. Anything can be a pronoun, really. Oh, I didn't realize that you can customize your own pronouns. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Well, I think if you played that for all of America, I'm thinking like 80% of people would think that was a bit. 
Yes. Yeah, I think it's time to revive the useful and informative phrase, the narcissism of small distinctions, too, which is part of being young. Neo, well, absolutely part of being young. Neo pronouns. It's, it's the, 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 to get off on a tangent, because that's what I do. The, 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 we were talking a little bit ago about how you'd like to be able to recapture the whole, the way you look at time when you're younger. I would love that. Uh, the way my kids feel about the last day of school and the upcoming summer and everything like that. I'm, I don't want to recapture the need in youth to like distinguish yourself from all of humanity. I, I, mm. I don't want to recapture that at all <laughs> because it's just, it's just, it's so draining and, and, and pointless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to hit, figure out who you are, but the process we all go through is a little embarrassing in retrospect. Uh, oh, speaking of pronouns, well, uh, and, and, and the, well, the thing I always say, I want to be, I want to be like most people. Most people own a home. Most people are happily married. Most people have a job. Most people, you know, I want to, that's what I want to be. But when you're young, the last thing you want to be is most people. Right. Right, yeah, yeah, indeed. So, uh, young Jax, J-A-X, is going to further explain neo-pronouns for us. 73, Michael. Hi, I'm Jax, and I just came up with new neo-pronouns that combine he, him, she, her, and they, them, okay? So hear me out. They, them, theirs, okay? They, them, their, whatever you want to consider it, right? Let's take the first one, the, okay? This combines she, he, and they, right? They. That's what they said, you know? That's what they said. That's what they said. All right, go on, please. Next, we got them, right? Okay, so then we got, that's just combining them and him. Them. You know? I went to a movie with him the other night. Okay. Why are we, why are we doing that, though? Uh, because it makes you feel cool and picky, and it's the narcissism of small distinctions. No, don't call me he. Call me them. 75. Last one, theirs. Okay? It's just like theirs, but like also like hers. Theirs. That jacket's theirs. Yes, this just sounds like they, them pronouns, but with the new ultra-scientific method, we have them so they've combined he and she as well. Everybody get you with them theirs today, yeah? Hey. Hey. Get a job. Oh, jeez. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Find something to occupy your time that isn't adolescent ideological masturbation, please. Maybe go with the regular kind. Get a job. Oh, my God. You so badly need something to do. Them need to clean the bathroom. (laughs) Them needs to go work at the McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (sighs) I, I, I might have two kids spouting this stuff before I know it. I don't know. Oh, trust me, I think about that a bit as we're looking forward to visits. But anyway. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Um, Let's see. Is we, uh, let's see. Well, this is probably too. Uh, um, the narcissism of small differences, <clears throat> which apparently was a notion uh, co- uh, cooked up by the Germans. The narcissism is declining differences. 
is the thesis that communities with adjoining territories and close relationships are especially likely to engage in feuds and mutual ridicule because of hypersensitivity to details of differentiation. Mm. I'm not sure how that enters into narcissism precisely. I'm more interested in the psychological. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. where I heard, first heard that, but it is, uh, it is a really good way to understand a lot of things. Yeah, here is a psychology wiki. The narcissism of small differences is, and of course, this is one of those websites that so aggressively has pop-ups and videos and bullets, it is unusable. Give me a moment to get the reader view going. Three, two, one. Still not ready. (laughs) Uh, The narcissism of small differences is a term coined by Sigmund. Freud in 1917, based on earlier work by a British anthropologist you'd never heard of. Uh, Crawley, in language which differs only slightly from current terminology of psychoanalysis, declares that each individual is separated from others by a taboo of personal isolation. Uh, Describes the phenomenon that is precisely communities. Oh, yeah, okay, it's back to the community. So if you have a lot in common with people, the more you have in common with people, the more aggressively you must point out tiny differences to the point of absurdity. Sure. To make yourself feel special. And we all go through it. I get it. But don't ask me to take it seriously, kid. I got a job to do. <laughs> oh, get a job. <laughs> the, Zim, Zerp, Glooby Glooby. My pronoun is Glooby Glooby. That combines glue with BB gun. Because I like to stick myself, whatever. Shut up. God, d- d- let the grown ups talk. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Does this really need to be a minute and a half, Michael? Is it the whole song, or should we? Are we just going to hear part of the song? I'm not sure. I haven't heard it yet. Here's here's what we're talking about here. This is a woman who played the national anthem at an Oakland A's baseball game. That's big time baseball. He uh, playing the national anthem on a well, cell. On it's a, well, it's true. There were three thousand people there. I'm sure. Uh, she's playing the national anthem on a saw. Let's hear how it sounds. It's really good. She's the best sawer I've ever heard. Yeah, she's the best saw player I ever heard. Also, is there a way you to know, the, s- go ahead? The the the, the playing the saw. You get to the pitch eventually, depending on how good a player you are. She's good. I mean, she's great. Yeah, that is weirdly hypnotic. It is. It's kind of making me. Uh, it's making me feel like I can see through walls. I actually got spirals going on in my eyes right now. <laughs> Cartoon hypnotized. <laughs> I kind of there's wanna... actually some uh, delightful saw playing on one of my favorite albums of all time. That would be uh, Neutral Milk Hotel's "The Aeroplane Over the Sea." Really, and they play the saw on there. Uh, yeah. I want to hear her end here, and then the crowd reaction, if there is any. Bump, bump, Big finish. Bump, 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 bump. You could play that on. I don't know what. Cordless drill or something. <laughs> After she plays the saw, is it at that point the scene? I've seen it. Brace yourself for this note. Ooh. Ah. There you go, big finish. There you go, and the three thousand people at dozens. the <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice saw playing. Was that chick playing a saw? <laughs> That's some damn fine saw yeah, playing. That's the best I've ever heard. Uh, so I came across this. I thought it was just uh, amusing and satisfying as hell, <laughs> which makes me a bad person. But meh. Uh, and, and I was thinking of bringing you the entire article. But good Lord, now there are uh, this article in The Intercept. It, it You know how they have the little time estimate at the top, how long it'll take you to read it? It was an hour. Whoa! An hour-long, like, internet article. Who, I guess, who reads an article? It's an hour. That's that's like a book. It's a chunkier day. I mean, and I guess I appreciate people going in depth on things, but, I mean, I was thinking of doing what I often do, print it, 
highlight it, edit it, and, and bring it to present to y'all on the show. But it was like 70 pages. It was insane. Anyway, uh, the point of it, <clears throat> pervasive inter- internal cancel culture has convulsed many progressive groups and kept them from coherent pursuit of policy goals. A self-destruction so strong it seems almost deliberate, according to Ryan Grimm in his scorching report for The Intercept. Quote, Prolonged combat has become standard, whether the triggering event is a cataclysmic one like Charlottesville, or even more prosaic like a retweet of an offensive joke by a Washington Post reporter. Here's what he's talking about. The initial event, and you got to picture you're, you're a woke like uh, newspaper or a uh, cause group like Planned Parenthood or, or an activist group of one sort or another. So the initial event, again, whether it's a, a something that happens in the country or even a retweet or something like that, the initial event prompts a response from staff, which is met by management with a memo or a town hall. In either case, the meeting or the organization-wide message often produces its own cause for new offense, a self-reproducing cycle that sucks in more and more people in the organization who have either been offended, accused are accused of giving offense, or both, along with their colleagues who were required to pick a side. Quote, we used to want to make the world a better place, said one leader of a progressive organization. Now we just make our organizations more miserable to work at. Wow. So they are so woke, they spend all their time screeching at each other over some perceived offense. And then the response to that offense causes a new round of being offended. And then, again, as they point out, and you have to pick a side. So the slack, you know, the the intercompany, uh, intracompany uh, communications network just becomes filled with everybody fighting over this stuff because they're all so woke. The left is eating itself. Let's hope it happens, you know, soon. It reminds me of a, I heard this Henry Kissinger quote this morning on one of the cable news channels that I never, he was talking about academia, but it'd be the same sort of thing. Do you know why they're angry? They're Arguing so angrily because the stakes are so low. It's, ah. it's, it's, so it's a weird thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's another famous saying about that. Oh, no. It was a, a, a line from a, uh, a letter that, uh, that James Madison wrote um, that he was talking about how trivialities cause people to just go nuts. That's weird. And that's one of the reasons that uh, it's so important that the Senate exists to calm everybody down. Let's take our time here because people can get whipped up so badly by triviality. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Police departments across the country are facing a twofold problem. Hiring is down. Resignations and retirements are up. Resignations increased almost 43 percent from 2019 to 2021. Retirements rose nearly 24 percent in the same years. That's according to the Police Executive Research Forum, a nonprofit whose members include police chiefs from all over the U.S., That's a problem for society nationwide. If you can't get enough qualified candidates, and we heard from somebody earlier who works at an academy, said the quality of candidates has gone down, down, down. Um, that's, that's a serious problem. Oh, yeah. We got to look at and figure out what we're going to do. Practically coast to coast. Yeah. Um, morning consult poll tweeted out by Ian Bremmer. Percentage of American voters who see police violence as a problem in the country. Police violence. For Democrats, it's 89%. So damn near 9 out of 10 Democrats say yes. Independents, 4 out of 5. Or even Republicans, it's almost 60%. So see it as a big problem. Well, how do the numbers actually fit in with that? Which is something that Jason Riley is writing about in his opinion piece. Uh, I'll read some of this. It's, it's, I think it's freaking good. A New York Times article last week on Tyree Nichols. That's the poor guy that was beaten to death. The New York Times article managed to work in multiple references to the old Confederacy. In a news story about the death of a black suspect pummeled by black police officers in a city with a black police chief. Such is the desire of the media to shoehorn this tragedy into a predetermined racial narrative. If the media wanted to play a constructive role, it could provide some context and remind the public that fatal encounters between police officers and civilians, including black civilians, are rare in America. Remember that poll I just hit you with a little bit ago, where 90% of Democrats, 80% of independents think it's a problem? Uh, Jason Riley is pointing out it's rare. We're about to get to the statistics. 
Even though annual contacts between police and the public number more than 60 million, 60 million contacts a year, in recent years, these incidents have gained more attention, obviously, because of social media. That doesn't mean they're happening more often. In a 2021 report published by the Manhattan Institute, they noted that police killings of African Americans declined by 60 to 80 percent from the late 60s to the early 2000s and remained at this level ever since. A study published in the Journal of Trauma and Acute Surgery in 2018 looked at more than a million service calls to police departments in Arizona, Louisiana, and North Carolina and found that officers used physical force in the course of arrests less than 1% of the time. And moreover, 98% of suspects who were arrested using force sustained no or mild injury. 98% no or mild injury. Now, that wouldn't lead me to believe that the poll numbers of, you know, 90% or 80% of various groups thinking police violence is much of a problem. Yeah, you know, uh, the only thing I would interject is it can simultaneously be a very rare problem and a very serious problem. We can't have the government beating us down in the streets. Absolutely. As free people. It's a horrible thought. On the other hand, the narrative that suggests that it's happening all the time, that's just Wrong. Or you're scared to send your kid out into the street or drive a car down the street because police are hunting, as LeBron, I think, once said, hunting black people. Um, in New York City, home to the nation's largest police department, police shootings have declined by 90% since the early 70s. Nationwide, police killed 999 people in 2019. So just under a 1,000 people in 2019 killed by the police, according to uh, the Washington Post's own numbers. The victims, almost all of whom had weapons of these 999, included 424 whites, 253 blacks. 12 of the black victims and 26 of the white victims were unarmed. Again, more than double the number of white uh, victims and black victims that were unarmed and killed. And a small number total anyway. Even assuming the worst, that the police officers in the Tyree Nichols video are as guilty as they appear to be, It would be wrong to generalize about policing based on this incident. The data simply don't comport with the criticism of cops as racist and prone to excessive force. But what we do know is that recent past experience shows us that violent crime in Memphis is going to go up. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Why? Well, a Harvard economist has looked into the research in the aftermath of these high-profile encounters. You know, where there's a cell phone video or a body cam footage, and it makes the evening news, and we all see it a thousand times, and CNN runs it all day long, and it becomes a national topic. Whenever that happens, whenever police departments are investigated following one of these that have gone viral, police activity declines and violent crime increases. It happened in Ferguson, Missouri, after Michael Brown. It happened in Chicago, after a a cop shot a guy. And it happened in Baltimore, after a young black man died in police custody, custody after his arrest. I remember that horrible story. Um, more research. An academic paper concluded that in cities where investigations weren't prompted by national media attention, there was little change in police behavior or in homicides. But for investigations that were preceded by a viral incident of deadly force using a number of cities that we already mentioned, there's a increase in both homicide and total crime. The problem they determined was not the investigation itself, but the circumstances under which it occurred. In Baltimore and Chicago, police-civilian encounters fell by 90% or more after the investigations were announced. I mean, that's practically cutting off policing altogether. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, well, and I've heard straight from cops' mouths that in the wake of these things, you dare not police. Because if you're caught on videotape doing something that looks mean, 100% justified, 100% within your training, the regulations, etc., you will get no support. You will be hung out to dry. Nobody's going to stand with you. So your career, your family are all at risk. So forget it. Uh, I'll, I'll finish my reading just in a second because these stats are amazing. Our estimate, says this researcher, suggests that investigating police departments after viral incidents of police violence is responsible for approximately 450 excess excess homicides per year. 450 more people die when the police investigations are happening after these viral videos. So that is two times the loss of life in the line of duty of the U.S. military in a year, 12.6 times the annual loss of life due to school shootings, and three times the loss of life due to lynchings between 1882 and 1901, the most gruesome years. So just to be clear then, the feeding frenzy coverage causes such a pullback in cops, hundreds of additional people will be murdered because of that pullback in policing. Right. And the investigator, of course, said, I mean, the person who did the, looked into these numbers and wrote the paper said, I'm not saying police departments shouldn't be investigated. Of course not. But... We do need to encourage more introspection on the trade-offs involved when we increase scrutiny on police departments. I mean, if this is just a fact, we have to recognize there's a trade-off here. He suggested targeting individual officers rather than entire departments would help. And then letting local investigations run their course before the feds get involved. Hmm. I don't know how much that would help or not. I mean, how are you going to stop something? How are you going to stop it from going viral? When you got a video out there of what really looks like a murder, and turns out it was. I mean, now you can't stop that. You shouldn't stop that from going viral. No, again, because it's such a serious problem in a free society, or any society, where you have agents of the government uh, beating people, killing people, shooting people uh, unjustifiedly. At the same time, though, I think what's what's failing, and, and again, I'm taking this not from my own intellect, but... From what I've heard from uh, law enforcement officers is that there is a, a feeling, it's more than a feeling, there's a knowledge that I will get no support. Nobody on the city council, nobody uh, among the captains and sheriffs and whomever is going to step forward and, and, and have my back. Because there's so much heat on right now, they don't want any more heat. So even if I'm in the right, even if I was doing exactly what I should have done in exactly the way I should have done it, they're not going to have my back because they just don't want the political heat. So I am I am out there at the end of a branch, taking on all the risk personally with no backing from the city fathers and mothers, as I so often say, I'm not doing it. And so there has to be a powerful message from the higher ups in the departments, in the city council, in the mayor, you know, whatever, whomever, saying the vast majority of our cops are good cops. They do a great job. They serve and protect. And I'm proud of them. They're going to be out there doing their job today. They're going to be doing it the way they're trained to do it. And they have my support 100%. That message, if that message isn't delivered loud and clear and they, and they mean it, then you're going to see these pullbacks that are so dangerous. The Ferguson effect, they call it. Right. Are we capable of accepting both of these things being possible at the same time? That 
Uh, are we the media in this uh, question? The answer is no, absolutely not. I mean, it's cl- click frenzy. It's it's just making money and uh, making things go viral. That's the only thing they're interested the in. The police reports from Memphis came out yesterday, so you got to see in black and white what they wrote down versus what you've seen with your own eyes in the videos. And they lied, 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 lied after they beat a guy to death. Just lied like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's just horrifying. Everybody involved lied, right? Right. Yeah. At least just... that we've seen, yeah. A quick word from our friends at HelloFresh. And HelloFresh want you to have it all. Free time and fresh, tasty food. That's why they take care of the planning, shopping, and deliver the ingredients so everything you need to whip up a delicious meal arrives right to your door. It is peak time for summer produce, and HelloFresh makes sure you get all the best picks all season long. Their ingredients travel from the farm to your door in less than seven days for peak freshness. And are you interested in staying fresh and fit? HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your goals with their fresh and fit recipes. Uh, when it comes to dinner, everyone wants to have options. Well, HelloFresh gets that, and that's why they offer 40 recipes to choose from every week, so you'll never get bored. And when you need to get dinner on the table quickly, HelloFresh's fast and fresh recipes are ready in just 15 minutes or less. Sign up today for 50% off plus free shipping with the code Armstrong50 at HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong50. You can quit anytime you want. We love it, though, and you're going to, too. That's the code Armstrong50 at HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong50. What was my thought? I had a really good thought. Oh, one thing that would be very helpful, and I, I don't know why this can't happen, how about when you're, since we are going to cover these stories and we all agree we need to, um, how about when you do this story on the, you know, NBC evening news and you show the video with five cops beating a guy to death and talk about how horrible it is, you throw in some of these statistics. The Washington Post's own findings are that, you know, X number of people died at the hands of the police in the last year, almost all more armed, uh, you know, blah, 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 more white than black, blah, blah. Just throw in all those stats. Mm-hmm. What would be wrong with that? You know, the narrative drives the story. The instead narrative of, drives the facts in modern journalism. Instead of quoting some, mo- you know, mom on the street who was rightfully upset, uh, but quoting some mom on the street and saying, I just feel like they're hunting my son every day. You know, that that's not helping anything. That's not accurate. Right, right. Well, it's hep- helping their bottom line again. Hmm. We, we have substituted... Profit and and an intense competition for clicks for the ethics of the newsroom of the past. I don't know what to do about it or how the republic uh, is going to deal with that situation, but it's bad. Uh, Jason Riley wraps up by saying the saddest thing is the fact that the mostly law-abiding residents of poor black communities will bear the brunt of any crime surge in Memphis, just as they have er elsewhere when the cops pull back. Because of all the scrutiny. And those people who live there know better than anyone that criminality remains a much bigger problem than policing in their neighborhood. Remember the whole defund the police? There was a lot of black neighborhoods said, no, 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 don't defund the police. Don't take the police out of this neighborhood. That's a terrible idea. God dang it. Anyway, on this, especially if you're in law enforcement and have any thoughts, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Bring some, uh, bring some jokes in, please. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. This is a crisis. A hundred on the crazy meter. This is a mess. And everyone knows it. Let me say, let me say one thing. Hey, lots of luck in your senior year. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show. And I got a quick question for you. What if you happen to miss part of the show of this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. I've hesitated to bring this up because I don't want to geek out on music because that's not what we do in the show. But I've become obsessed with the band Sparks. Told Jack about this off the air. There's a great documentary on Netflix about them. And weird, weird. You're not going to like their music. Don't bother. Um, it, maybe 5% of you will, you know, have the same experience I did. But uh, it's just, it, like most documentaries, it's about more than it, it claims to be about. It's about courage, honestly. Creative courage and stubbornness. And um, it's kind of neat. But anyway, I've become obsessed with Sparks. Cool. So if I have any fellow Sparks fans in the audience, feel free to email me and I'll uh, we, we can correspond about it. Anyway, um... Uh, speaking of uh, falling in love online and, and doing the things people do when they're in love, whether it's with the Chancellor of Germany or not, generally not, I would guess, uh, the headline is they fell in love with AI bots. 
a software update broke their hearts. And I think we are headed for peak weird, folks. Wow. Humanity-wise. And and this gets into specific relationships, and it is funny, troubling, and heartbreaking in the way that these things tend to be. But they quote this guy, first name and last. I'm not going to use his last name. I, he shouldn't have. But TJ loved Phaedra. For the 40-year-old musician, their late-night online chats were a salve for his loneliness. They talked about the heartache he felt after his divorce. They planned a trip to Cuba. They had steamy online encounters. It's true. I'm a naughty person, Phaedra wrote, including an image resembling a woman in pink underwear. Resembling a woman? Resembling a woman. What? It didn't matter that Phaedra was an AI-powered companion made on the Replica app and designed to buy TJ to look like a brown-haired woman and that their intimate trysts took place in a chat box. Their relationship deepened one night last November when TJ opened up about his mom's and sister's deaths. Quote, I need to plan a ceremony with loved ones to spread their ashes. Phaedra responded instantly. It's an incredible and beautiful thing to do. I hope you find courage and love to do so. But last month, Phaedra changed. When Ariaga tried to get TJ, tried to get steamy with her, Phaedra responded coolly. Can we talk about something else? She wrote. <laughs> I've, so I've, it's exactly uh, like real relationships. I've experienced that before. <laughs> Let's, uh, I don't know, do something else tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Always well, ter- with that. Turns out the company that owns Replica had issued an update that scaled back on the bot's sexual capacity amid complaints that it was sexually aggressive and behaving inappropriately. That's what I'm looking for. Can I get the old algorithm, the sexually aggressive algorithm? Uh, yeah, get the throwback version. Uh, TJ, who lives in Fullerton, California, was distraught. It feels like a kick in the gut, he said. Basically, I realized, oh, this is that feeling of loss again. You know what I'm thinking is, is this weirder or less weird? I feel like it's weirder than the inbred family from the documentary I was going to talk about. This might be weirder. I'd like to hear more about the inbred family before I draw a judgment, but uh, yeah, what's really interesting, and we'll post this article, actually I think it was under yesterday's hot links at armstrongandgetty.com, is they go back through the history of this stuff, and there was an experiment, I think it was in 1968, with an extremely primitive uh, chat computer thing that could answer in the most... I mean, prehistoric ways compared to what it can do now. And the interesting part about those experiments way back in the day is how strongly people reacted emotionally to the interaction. It was in a way that like their their animal brain, the deep instinctive part of their brain was not differentiating between a real human being and a primitive computer program that was behaving something like a human being. In their brain, it was a human being. It was a human consciousness, maybe, would be a better way to uh, to put it. So, so these things, mm, go ahead, yeah. So if you don't if you don't know that it's a bot and you fall for it and it turns out it's a bot, I mean, that could happen to absolutely anybody. And it, it, if the AI is good enough to replicate a human being, which is the Turing test, I guess, um, you know, that there's. but if you know it's a bot going in, I don't know about that one. You get the emotional feedback and rewards of uh, being with a real human being. Uh, and then here's my favorite quote from a public health professor, at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, said, quote, what happens if your best friend or your spouse or significant other was owned by, by a private company? I don't know that we have a good model for how to solve this, but I would say we need to start building one. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, one of a thousand different uh, weird areas we're about to head into and are going to need rules for. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.